Bookcase and Coffee presents Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. Hey everyone, it's Becky. Welcome back to the Buzzing About Romance podcast. Um, and with me is my co-host, number one co-player, Leah. Hi, Leah. Becky. How are you? How's it? I'm good. How are you? You know, it's going. It's, it's going. going. It's October. It is this October. episode is dropping on the first Sunday in October. I it's can't believe it's October season. already. Spooky it is season. spooky season. We were picking out Halloween costumes today. Not really a dress-up person. Well, I'm not either, but my children are. Uh, we do have an event at the end of October that we're going to have to dress up for. Who? Books, brews, and booze. The Buzzing About Romance Halloween party. Oh. I did it's not virtual. know about this. It's virtual. You only have to dress from, like, the chest up. Why do you do these things and then not tell me? Gretchen made me do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I allow it then. Okay. So on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we are talking about what's in a pen name and why authors use pen names and how authors come up with pen names and the reason for having more than one. Um, and joining us for this episode is Janice Whitaker, who also writes under the name of Gemma Westbrook and Josie Watts. Did I get them all right? Did I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Okay. So Leah, read us Janice's bio, and then we'll get into all this craziness. Okay. Janice Whitaker writes contemporary romance as herself, romantic suspense as Gemma Westbrook, and romantic comedy as Josie Watts. She drinks coffee like water, trashed all her jeans because she didn't need that sort of pressure in her life, and speaks fluent sarcasm. She's our people, Becky. Her books are filled with sexily strong men and girl gangs who have each other's backs through thick and thin. Welcome to the podcast, Janice. We're excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, I know Leah loves Gemma Westbrook and the suspense books. (laughs) That is actually, I found you through Gemma Westbrook. Like, because I read the Alaskan Security Rogue series because suspense is my jam. And then I went back and did all your Gemma or your Janice books. And then Josie popped up recently, which I, I love those too. Good. Good. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to give some history on pen names. I'll read the first fact. Leah's going to read the second and then I'll read the third because these are very interesting. I am here to educate the masses. Um, anyway. So history of a pen name, the first recorded or the first records of the term pen name come from the 1800s. It's essentially a translation of nom de plume, which uses French words, which I did not take French. So do not come at me, people, but was actually coined in English. The French word nom means name and plume refers to a quill, a feather used as a pen. Both pen name and nom de plume are still in use today. Stop laughing, Leah. Read the next fact. I think you actually did it correctly, though. So, <laughs> Some female authors have used pen names to ensure that their works were accepted by publishers and or the public. This was common in the 19th century when women were beginning to make inroads into literature, but it was felt would not be taken as seriously by readers as male authors would not be taken as seriously by readers as male authors. And more recently, women who write in genres commonly written by men sometimes use initials. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I have thoughts on that. Um, Sometimes a pen name is used because of an author believes that their name does not suit the genre they are writing in. Western novelist Pearl Gray dropped his first name and changed the spelling of his last name to become Zane Gray because he believed that his real name did not suit the Western genre. Romance novelist Angela Knight writes under that name instead of her actual name, Julie Woodcock, which would be hilarious, Um, because of the double entendre of her surname in the context of that genre. I don't know. I think I'd read a book by Julie Woodcock. I would totally. But she's an older author. Like, I think she was writing romance in the 70s. Oh, well, that makes more sense then. So, um... Anyway, Janice, you have three pen names. Two pen names. Well, two pen names and a real name. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. 
because Janice is my real name for reals. Yes. Reals. Reals. Yes. Um, and go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, I was always going to write as Janice, actually. So that's why I started with my real name. I never, never intended to have pen names. It's the whole concept of pen names in today's day and age is kind of, I think, sometimes a little confusing because anonymity is harder now with social media and, you know, six degrees of separation from everybody pretty much these days, it feels like, um, that you almost, it's, I don't know, back in you know, 1800s, 1900s, you know, you could be more anonymous and writing under a male name as a woman was a little easier to get away with. It's not as easy to do now. Uh-uh. So I, I couldn't keep it straight. I can barely keep my own social media with one name straight. I don't know how people do like real life and then author life. It'd be very difficult. Right. Especially the people who are trying to keep their pen name sort of Mm-hmm. you know, secret. So right. they can, they're, you know, there are doctors who write, there are teachers who write, you know, erotica, things that they don't want their students to find or their student parents to find. And it would be stressful trying to maintain social media for two different things when you're trying to keep one of them a secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's um the whole concept of pen names is fascinating to me. Um just because I'm the type of person that I mean those who know me, I say what I say. <laughs> like, yeah. There's not I'm a not lot really, of filter there. There's not. There's not a lot of filter. Um I'm just out in who I am. Uh but I could see like I was lucky. I was stay at home mom. I don't really have, I have a professional life now, but I didn't really have much of a professional life when my children were younger and I was, you know, late twenties, early thirties. So I could see where it'd be difficult. Um, especially if my children were younger now to try to do, say some of the things that I say or talk about on the podcast, um, right. might be a little bit more challenging. Now they're just embarrassed by everything I say. And they're just like, please don't talk about us. Right. I will not. I think so too, though. Like you're not like you're in a profession where like you are in the romance profession, like you work in the romance industry. So it's different also like for us in that situation, like we're not trying to hide like who we are. Like we, we don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Well, and I don't know that authors are trying to hide so much as they're just, I mean, especially in a day of the internet when things trolls, we see it all the time. People doxing and, you know, just the nastiness to each other. You want to protect who you are and your family or just where you live mm-hmm. um, for, you know, for your own personal well-being and security. Um, that, I, I mean, I see, I see both sides of it. Um, right. And so like when you first wanted, when you first started writing, you were always going to write under Janice. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Because I was a lot like you, you know, writing a, writing a book is hard. And I was like, doggone it. Everybody's going to know I'm the one who did that. (laughs) And I, I was proud of what I did and I, I didn't care what people thought of me. I didn't care what they thought of what I wrote. And if they wanted to judge me, that was fine. I didn't give two squats. So I always fully intended to only write as under my real name. Which I think is is beautiful and amazing. And I love that because I am a proud romance reader. I've been reading since I was 14 and um, it's reading periods always been a big part of my life and my family life. And growing up, my mother was an English teacher and writing or reading was just huge for her. And, um, you know, when people would be like, I would carry my romance novels in high school in my stack of books, you know, and I'm like, why are you reading that? Because I love this. I, right. I don't care what you think. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we often talk on the podcast about, you know, some of the harshness that the romance genre takes. So I love that you are proud of what you wrote and that you put your name on it. 
and you, you know, are like, this is me. I write this. Yeah. Cause you write good. You write great books. So mm-hmm. be proud of it. You know, I was lucky in that, you know, I grew up in a family, my mom's whole family, she has, you know, a bunch of sisters and my Grammy is actually 99 in like a couple weeks. Right. Amazing. And, uh, we have to be careful. I got her a Kindle unlimited subscription and, uh, because during, you know, the shutdown, she, mm-hmm. that's all she had to do. Really? And, uh, you cannot filter your 99 year old Grammy on her Kindle quite as successfully when she has a Kindle unlimited subscription. So she was getting some real racy stuff and getting into it and kind of like, Oh my goodness. But, um, they always read romance. We used to have family parties. Like we had a Barbara Cartland party back in the day. God, I love that. And you know, when I was little and could just barely talk, I would pick up the romance novels and open them up and go, Oh my precious. Oh my darling. Like I even knew what they were as a little kid. So I was, I never really, I was raised to think that that's Mm -hmm. what everybody read. And there's, there was no shame in it. There was no, you know, embarrassment about it. And so I was super lucky in that. You are, you are like, Lee and I both come from similar backgrounds as to yours. My mom always had books by her bedside. They were always romance. Um, Uh She went to college with Jude Devereaux. So she always had Jude's books. And there are some of those that are bonkers, like crazy town bonkers. You cannot read them under today's um, mentality. Yeah. (laughs) Some of them are just bonkers. (laughs) Yeah, and then like they're beautiful and then my mom used to get like the mailers like the once a month like mailer with the harlequin books in it so she would get like four or five books every single month like just to the house so i actually like my sister lives in my parents old house and she still has all of the books in the attic like there are boxes upon boxes of books Yep. But I, I found a couple good ones. I have to, I have to make a new stack and share it because I haven't had the time to do that. But there's just so many romance books in that attic. It's just crazy. But I used to just hijack them and like sit and read. And it was just, but it was, there was never any shame because like my mom had them and they just sat around the house, like out for everyone to see. I, you know, I think in one way, I know this sounds really weird. They're kind of a convenient, like sex ed sort of Mm -hmm. thing to where you don't have to actually have the conversation, but you know, (laughs) most romance books, especially older ones back, you know, in the nineties and eighties, um, you didn't have as much dubious con in Mm -hmm. the Harlequins and things like that. So pretty much everything was about consent. It was about female pleasure it was about you know uh, having a positive mutually satisfying encounter so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women who really came of age reading romance novels I mean we're we're like listen here buddy (laughs) this is how this works (laughs) I I agree with you completely you know people don't talk about that but you know I was not raised by a feminist sort I mean my mom graduated college in the late sixties and was a hippie, but not necessarily a feminist, but she read these romance novels that are inherently feminist. Uh I mean, Mm -hmm. because they're talking about taking control of your life. Like even in the old school historical romances, they take control of their relationship. They push the boundaries Uh of society. And I love that. And yeah, I, I personally, because again, I came from a situation where some, my mother read it and encouraged and let me read it. Cause I stole my first couple books, probably younger than I should have. Um, you know, when you read Jude Devereaux at like 14, probably shouldn't be, but you know, <laughs> um, I, you know, I was very lucky because there was never this, what are you writing? What are you reading? That's not literature. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time understanding People who are like, I know authors who are like, yeah, my mom does not know that I write romance. She would not understand. And I'm just like, really? Isn't that sad? It mm-hmm. makes me sad. For their mom. Right. 
And it makes me sad for them because they don't have that support or connection. Uh Um, My mother drives me bonkers and she lives with me half the year. Um, But I like, you know, she comes to our events, like our live events Mm -hmm. for the podcast and interacts and is curious about stuff. And I love that. I love that she does that. So you write under your real name, but also under two pen names. Does grandma know what you write and mom knows what you write? Yes. So my, um, I have written one book that I wrote specifically for my Grammy to read. And I don't even know if I still have it up for sale anymore. The whole point of it was for her to read it. And um, she knows, like my aunts have told her, you cannot read any of her other books. And uh, she's, she, I think she secretly wants to just for funsies, just, and so my mom has threatened to get, um, I think my Grammy loves cowboy books. So I think she's going to go with that series and Ooh, that's a good series. And just to see what happens. It's a good series. You it is. let Grammy read the books. I'm campaigning for yeah. Grammy right now. Let Grammy read yeah. the books. Listen, because she has seven kids. I mean, she knows how it goes and how many grandkids does she have? Oh I my mean, gosh. I don't even know. Yes. Enough. She's sister, done it enough time. Sister has she deserves her, those cowboy yeah. books. Yeah. You know, my husband's grandmother, um, she's been gone for about 10 years now, and she was 98, I think, when she passed. But she used to say that uh she was one of 14 children. And she would say that when her dad came home, hang his pants on the bedpost, you always knew there was a new sibling coming. And I was wow. like, sweet Jesus, Ursula. I mean, and she was like the cutest, sweetest little Irish Catholic lady you have ever met, but she was always like, I'm like, okay. But she read the red covered Harlequins <gasps> up and until she was almost like, I think until yeah. her eyes really stopped um, working as well. She was reading those forever. Those were, yes. Those were my aunt Edith's favorite, like my whole family, not just my Grammy and my aunt, but like my great aunt Edith, but she wanted the red covers. Because those were the racy ones. Right. The red covers. Harlequin (laughs) Dares in the red cover. Um, Those were the books that page 100, you could go to page 100 and there would be sex on the page. That's really smart. Sex 100, page 100. And this is why I have such high, this is why I have such high expectations of put out percentages, Leah. Harlequin ruined me. Uh Wow. Thank you, Harlequin. Thank you, Harlequin. We have a whole thing about slow burns versus, so steam level is subjective, right? Well, and let's preface this. We don't mind a slow burn if it makes sense. Yeah. And they're just, if it works, but we've read a few where it's like 90 some percent and, but there's been nothing before that. Like not even a kiss. And so we, we have strong feelings about this, but so recently Becky came up with the put out percentage. It's what percentage yeah. of the book you have to read in order for on page sexual activity. Okay. Instead of steam level. Uh-huh. So that, you because know, that's that very it- like subjective. Like some people like a super steamy and they think it's like five, like most books we read are like a three yeah. just because we like the steam. Yes. But yeah. yeah, this way, like people know, like when it happens on page. That is a that is a good gauge because like you said, steam is like if they don't do anything until the 75% mark, but then what they do do is like, whoa. Yeah. Um yeah. I always, you know, I I talk to some of my friends about how sex does not equal intimacy. Mm-hmm. And on the slow burns, they can still have just as much intimacy without the sex, yeah. without the sex. And that's what most romance readers are there for. Yes. A lot of them want the P and the V. Absolutely. Right. But it's that intimacy that what gets most romance readers is when you feel it in your gut. Mm-hmm. And that right. a lot of times doesn't come from the sex. No, it's that emotional connection Uh to the characters, Uh but there are times when you're reading a slow burn 
And I've, I've read about, I think I've read five books now by you, uh, Janice. I haven't ever felt this in any of your books, but there are a couple that I've read that are slow burns that I still am not quite sure why they're together. Like, yes. And I'm just like, I don't feel their connection. I, don't, I think that mm-hmm. if they weren't close proximity to each other, mm-hmm. you know, you're living in the same house. You have an outside, you know, plot point that's pushing you guys together, be it a stalker or, you know, a wedding or whatever. Um, but I'm still not sold that that's yeah. your HEA. Um, yeah. And that's when, you know, someone will be like, oh, this book was really steamy because when they finally get together at like 68%, it is good on page PV, PMV. However, PMV does not equal intimacy nope. or create steam and logging. We just read a book, Major Pining. So much pining. So much, so pining. much pining. But like, but it was so good. And what yeah. was the put out for that? It was 40, 42, 43. 43. Uh-huh. Which, I mean, that's still pretty early, but like I read a book recently, I can't remember what it was, but it was like 72%, but like there was so much like intimacy from page one to to 72% where like, I wasn't upset when it finally happened. I was like, finally, they're getting to it because like they've been building up and it's like, just, just do it already because you know you need yeah. to yeah. you you like the, well you like the build-up at least that is what i noticed I like in your well for janice in your Gemma westbrook books you <gasps> yes. like the build-up you like like you constantly are pushing your characters together and then uh-huh. something happens and they're coming apart and pushing them together and building up to that moment and you you like to do that yeah yeah. You tug at the heart a little bit there, friend. But then I, it is very nice when I you try. I don't write a lot of angst. No. And so I use um, external plot forces. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I really, you know, I, I hate when you, like, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to do it right now. And you're like, oh, okay, good. That's nice. <laughs> I, I want you to be like, are we getting, oh, 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 it's happening. Oh, it's happening. Right. <laughs> you exactly. know, I want yes. you to be excited and I want you to feel it. And if they're like, Hey, I like you, you like me, we should have sex. Then you're just kind of like, Oh, cool. <laughs> and you're not in it. You so. do, but you do make us like, Oh, Oh yes. Finally. Yes. You at least in the, I read two of the Gemma Westbrook's. She and like they get to that point, but it doesn't actually happen because something yeah. happens and they have to stop. And it's like, yeah. why? I know, right? Because I'm like, uh, this happened too easily. I should make it harder. No pun yeah. intended. <laughs> no pun intended. So, okay. So we know you started as Janice, which is yeah. your given name. Um, mm-hmm. And then you, the next pin name that came out is Gemma uh-huh. Westbrook, which is your romantic suspense security Correct. force series right. of right. books. Are the writing styles different between the two books? No. So if you like. Leah's like, no, Becky, like I've me, read them all. <laughs> well, if you like me, you like me. I mm-hmm. write um, low angst. Um, I write. I try to push for a lot of intimacy. You know, my my early, early books, we'll just pretend those don't exist. I've <laughs> talked about taking them down and <laughs> like, whatever. But, um, and I write very, very, um, I write girl gangs. That's sort of- You write a confident woman. Like, yeah. I love your heroines. Thank you. I, you know, I try to, even if they're broken- they're still at least faking that they're Mm -hmm. confident and trying, you know, to get there. But even if they're not there yet, they have women around them supporting them. So very rarely will you see a bad girl um, in my books. um, But I don't think your female characters are perfect either. No. (laughs) They're beautifully Mm -hmm. flawed. 
I try. I try. You guys are really, really making me feel good tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. But I mean, really, your characters are not perfect. Their their flaws are there. Yeah. But but that's what makes them beautiful. And one thing I like about them too, like with in your Alaskan force, so book five is Mm -hmm. Mona, but Mona owns her flaws. Like she owns them. She's like, I have these problems. Like they are mine. Mm -hmm. And and I accept that. But she she works to make them better. Like Pierce does not help her make them better. Like he's Mm -hmm. like a byproduct of it, which Mm -hmm. I do love Pierce. I think he's my favorite in that entire series so far. I mean, we're not done yet. But I just, I love that. Like, because she's like, I, being in Alaska has, mm-hmm. has helped her for the better, but she right. owns like her, her insecurities and her issues, but they don't, she does not let them define her. Right. Yes. And that's, that's a huge thing you see in a lot of, a lot of my books is women, you know, they don't, a lot of times you don't see the individual's overcoming because of the relationship, mm-hmm. uh, especially my women, a lot of what they, their growth comes from the women around them. And I think that goes back to having grown up around a lot of strong women. Um, and so that's where, you know, my voice as an author is very, very similar through my books. Um, my sense of humor, my tone, even I write some in first person and some in third, and even mm-hmm. those still have a similar feel. So um, that's pretty much if you like a Janice book, you'll probably like a Gemma book. You'll probably like a Josie book. So your your newest Josie book just came out recently, and yes. I have not read that one. I it's it's on my list. But I meant to send it to you and. I may have taken it a little close to the wire and I sort of forgot a lot of things there. That's okay. No, it's fine. Um, But I really liked, I really liked the start of the series. I thought, cause it like your writing style is similar. Like your, like your voice is similar, but Mm -hmm. I love that. It just, the comedy was more prevalent and I, I just adored your character. Was that fish out of water? Fish out of water. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that book was so fun and quirky, oh. and um, I giggled. Like, I think I woke my poor husband up giggling at a couple of moments in that book. <laughs> and I will say, um, up and until that book, I really like the cowboy series that huh? that you write under Janice. And I was really, because there's a lot of tropes in that one that I like. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. so I was a little hesitant to go over to rom-com because I thought, okay, these contemporary romances are great. These are great. I love these. But sometimes when straight contemporary romance authors try to write fun and quirky, Uh it can sometimes miss the mark, you know, it's like a dramatic actress trying to do a Uh rom-com movie. Sometimes you're kind of like, sweetie, you don't even smile. Why are you, why, why are (laughs) you in this movie? Um, But Fish Out of Water was fantastic and quirky and Thank funny. You. And I can't recommend it enough. It's, Thank I just, you. I giggled. And there were moments, I think, that my poor husband was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Good. go away. Good. <laughs> um, so is it hard to switch your brain? I mean, I imagine with three different pen names that, Yes, you're, so we've just established your writing styles are fairly similar. Leah tells us uh-huh. they are similar. Um, yes. But is it hard to keep straight, like, your ideas? Because maybe you have an idea for Josie, but then you sit down because you're supposed to be working on a Gemma book. And yeah. you're like, sorry, and you can't be quirky. Entities. You can't be quirky. Quirky's over here. Do you have right. a hard time? Like, I, So I, I have ADD. Um, and I have struggled a lot in my life. I'm that person who I'm going to clean the kitchen and I go to, you know, take the thing on the counter back where it belongs in the living room. And I see that this in the living room is messed up. And then I find a sock 
And then, you know, I need to do some laundry. And so by the end of the day, I've done a lot of random things and none of them were clean the kitchen. And I, have you seen the, the meme where somebody says their brain is like an internet with 500 browsers open? Yes. And, and that's me. And writing is the first thing that occupies enough of my brain that I don't feel as scattered. Like it pays off to be scattered, if that makes sense to be thinking about one thing over here and another thing over here, it, it helps you focus. It does. It does. And, you know, there are days where I'm particularly scattered and I'll actually write walking on the treadmill because walking sort of keeps my hamster wheel busy. So it can't be going, Hey, what about, you know, did you put the toilet paper on the roll correctly last time? Because it seems like maybe you didn't do that. And having so many different things, as weird as it sounds, actually helps me function better. That's one of the reasons I write multiple subgenres. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I have a, ch- a, my boy child is not neurotypical. And mm-hmm. there are some of the things you're saying, like, yes, I totally yeah. can relate to that. Yeah. He'll have like 50 noisy things happening, but he actually like sat down and wrote, you know, his schoolwork and it made sense. And, I, and I'm just like, how do you, how do you do that? It's the hamster wheel. There's <laughs> always a hamster wheel that has to have something in it. And if you don't put something in it, your brain will put something <laughs> in it. And then it focuses on that. So if you can find something to occupy that, so yeah. So do you, um, do you keep a spreadsheet to keep everybody straight so that like characters from Janice do not wander over to Gemma's world? I, I always joke that I'm kind of like a secret grandma. So I like, I, I go to bed really early. So I'm up like an hour past my bedtime right now. Oh, and thank I wear you. Cardigan. Isn't that terrible? Like I'm that I get up early in the morning. I wear a lot of cardigans. I usually have a tissue and some candy in my pocket. Um, but I have folders. Um, I have papers. I write it down on legal pads and I put it, I have a whole line of folders on my desk for each series Okay. because spreadsheets are like, I, I look at You need at them. that physical. Yes. It's funny that you say that because Becky and I were doing some podcast planning before you jumped on and I was going through all my lists because I like, well, because I like a list, but I like to rip it off and crumple it up and throw it away when it's done. I like that physical, like, Uh okay, but your PA is probably sitting here going, yep, this is what she does. But secretly (laughs) she has the spreadsheet. That's true. She she does. (laughs) Um, she has, um, it's one of those post-it board things yes. that is a digital, I have one. Yeah. She, Google she Keep. Made me get one. It's amazing. I use Google is Keep, it? but I know lots of people use like Trello and Slack and it's different ones. Trello. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like Google Keep because it's like digital post-it notes, but I'm also the crazy person that has a physical planner, a digital planner physical list like Leah makes fun of me because I keep all my list binder clipped together and then I have like my google keep lists because see I just physical lists I can't I can't do electronic like because I can't scratch it off and rip it off but my lists are not always with me is the problem like people look at me funny if I like start carrying around physical my physical lists that are binder I just don't go together. anywhere. It makes life easier. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I do. What I, do have... I, do, I have a legal pad in my purse. Oh my gosh. See, there we go. <laughs> I don't really carry a purse, you know, cause germs, but <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm such a nut. Leah, do not, don't, don't. I'm a nut. We got it. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Um, okay. So we had one of our uh, podcast listeners, uh-huh. who uh, knows that the Gemma Westbrook, you have the series set in Alaska. Have you visited Alaska? No. 
she but I, she was very impressed <laughs> what, with your Alaska with your Alaska because she has been to Alaska several times and it's like her favorite place in the entire well planet. she gets she gets very she has very strong feelings about books that are set in Alaska that have ridiculous points like she said she read a book where this guy was driving around this like sports car and she's like no idiot would drive a sports car in Alaska like it just doesn't happen no no, because like, why would you? It's like having an in-ground pool in Alaska. Why would you do it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So she was very impressed with your Good. um, with your Alaska representation because it was Good. not ridiculous. It was Good. not. It's I don't know kind of tricky. It's you know, you things you don't think of is you know you have to think about what time of year is it, and then you have to Google when the sun goes down. Hmm because it's so different because I'm in Ohio and so I would be I would be like oh uh, typing they're in the morning the sun's coming through the bow wait a minute but maybe it's one of those 24 hour dark days yes so I you know you try to think about that and I was gonna say earlier this week they just had their last sunset for the season the sun will not rise again in like a month it's like two I, months, isn't it? No, it goes to like February before they get oh, sunrise again. Well, yeah. I don't know if I can yeah. do that. I, I don't, and I, I like sun. I'm not even, so I, I think I came up with Alaska because I'm like, if there was a security company that wanted to do some moderately <laughs> not within the realm of the legal sort of things, where could they go? And I'm like, I mean, Alaska, like I've watched Alaskan state troopers. There's like five cops in the whole state and they're all chasing moose that are stuck in people's yards. And so I'm like, that's true. where they should go. It is true. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of true. So, but it works. It works really well. Good. Good. Um, Okay, well then you write cowboys. Yes. Did you do you have like knowledge of horses and cowboys or just no. kind of your imagination? So, so this is it's going to be super anticlimactic. Um, when I started writing Gemma, it was because none of my other books were selling. I had been writing for like almost four years and publishing, and and nothing was doing anything. Nothing. And I was wide. I was not in Kindle Unlimited at that point in time. And I was like, you know, this is a lot of work because I was working it full time for nothing. And um, I thought, you know, this might just not be my jam. Maybe I'm just not, it's not my thing because writing isn't everybody's thing. It's super hard. Um, writing books is kind of the easy part of it. And I thought maybe it just wasn't my thing. So I thought I'm going to give this one last go and take everything I've learned and put it under a name that nobody knows. So that way I didn't have any sort of influence from what I had done before. Like my family didn't know my daughter is the only one who knew. She helped me come up with the name. None of my readers knew. And it was sort of to see if I could actually be a legitimate, you know, work it as a job. And um, that's sort of how Gemma came about. And the, the whole way I came up with it was, you know, what is selling now? I sort of reverse engineered from what I could write, you know, how I, something that would fit my tone and my voice and the way that I write, um, that I thought I could handle the nuts and bolts of the genre's expectations. And I sort of worked backwards from there. And the story came out after I had already decided I was going to do, you know, a security sort of company and I'm going to, I guess I'll put it here and I'm going to do this. And I did a bunch of research and looked at, you know, Susan Stoker and Riley Edwards and everybody like that. And I sort of came into it backwards. And the same thing happened with the Cowboys. 
my Janice, I didn't have any Janice books that were selling, you know, Gemma was doing great. And I thought I need to get Janice going. So, you know, what contemporary-ish could Janice write? And I was watching sort of the, the readers and listening to readers talking in different groups and what they were looking for and sort of, I'm like, you know, I think we might have a cowboy moment coming up. And, you know, one thing I'm super lucky is I can write really fast. And so I'm like, I'm gonna write a cowboy book. I'm gonna get it out. And I started seeing other authors saying, oh, I'm gonna do a Western book. And so I actually bumped it up earlier on my schedule to get it out. And I did the same thing. I sort of reverse engineered it and came to the cowboys and the tropiness on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that way it would be easy to market. It would meet reader expectations. But it's so smart. It is. It's so smart. Because especially with that first one, because the first one is the nanny and the cowboy, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first one. Yep. So there are, there are tons of us that uh -huh. like a nanny romance is a one automatic one click like it doesn't matter how ridiculous it is you know everyone tl swan to louise uh bay to you know have written these different nanny tropes and people one click them they grab onto those and so it's so smart that you did do tropey cowboy because how many people yep. were like oh that's a one click. I see that title. That's well, and I love a good family series with like a really strong parent in it. Yeah. And like Mrs. Pace, like uh -huh. Marianne Pace is like the ultimate mom. And I love yeah. the, like with her though, too, like if her boys piss her off, like she kicks them out and keeps the girls. <laughs> like she doesn't care that they're well, her kids. Like yep. she yep. wants the girls and the boys are in the cabins. Yep. yep. Yeah. So and, and, you know, tropes are awesome. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. And that's that whole series, you know, even the Alaskan security series started with the trope, a single dad trope, not single dad, but secret baby, single mom, single secret. parent kind of. Well, and trope. Becky is a secret baby, like junkie also. I am. Yeah. Which is why that was the first one I wrote. I read actually, uh, Leah, and one of our podcast contributors did a review episode. We have short little 20 minute episodes right. that we call our quick shots of romance. And they did that. And when they read the trope, like secret baby, I went and downloaded it like right then. I'm like, hmm, I do like me a secret baby. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a secret baby. Well done too. It was a well done. It made Thank sense. You. Secret baby. Um, you know, that's a trope that I adore. And I love, but it gets so much hate. You have to be careful mm -hmm. because you can start off on the wrong foot with your female character with a secret baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you spend a lot of time trying to redeem her for keeping the secret. Well, but not all of them are exactly like that. Like I have read a right. hockey one where it's, you know, baby on the doorstep from a one yeah. night stand. And now he is fumbling, trying to, I yeah. have a baby and try to figure out where the baby mama has run off to. Uh -huh. So, I mean, there's lots of ways to do it. It's not all yeah. like she kept it a secret, but the ones that are like products of one night stand uh -huh. that are valid secret babies, like, uh -huh. You know, come on, we've all been in our 20s and made stupid mistakes. Yeah. I personally haven't been to Vegas, but I imagine if I went to Vegas in my young 20s, you know, things would have happened because yeah. I did not always make good decisions. Well, I mean, I mean good is relative, right? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Josie now. So Josie Watts, which is your yeah. latest um, mm -hmm. author pen name. And it is rom-coms. You have uh -huh. two books out in the series. Uh -huh. Fish Out of Water has been out for three months, I think. She came out, Fish Out of Water came out in um, July. July. Um, yeah. And then book two in that series just came out. Is it a series? 
Uh, yes. Yes. It's going to okay. be a series. And book two just Friday. dropped last week, right? On mm-hmm. Friday. So just a few days ago. Yeah. Amazing. So, and what is the title of that one? Out on a Limb. Out on a Limb. Yeah. So how did you, was there inspiration to rom-com? Because I am a child of the eighties. I mean, you know, um, college, high school in the early nineties. So, um, I'm a child of the eighties and the Nora Ephron, uh, rom-coms. Yeah. That's what you watched. I mean, those were our, you know, middle grade years. And then there was the, um, you know, like the pretty woman kind of. Yeah. And so what is the inspiration for the Josie Watts rom-coms? I wanted to write a rom-com for a while, but like you said, rom-com is harder than I think people give it credit for being. And while I have funny parts in almost all of my books, there'll be something funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I wasn't quite ready to really be able to do a rom-com well. So it's always kind of been there that I ultimately wanted to write a rom-com and something a little bit more like the Stephanie Plum books, you know, Janet Ivanovich. um, Well, uh, and Jennifer Cruz. Jennifer Cruzy. That was what I was going to say next. Yes. Those low angst, almost a little bit of, you have moments where it's almost too ridiculous but it's mm -hmm. not quite right it's they're almost over the top they're like the cup is full but those are also great books and I think that the fish out of water does kind of Mm -hmm. do this very well these are the kinds of books that can be read if you are just into contemporary women's fiction yeah like I I don't know why we have to call it women's fiction um don't get me started on that that's a whole different discussion um right but that contemporary fiction that kind of tips the age like from romance. So if you are one of those people that is afraid to read romance because, Uh you know, you don't want to be like reading the sex books, whatever, Um, you know, rom-com and Josie Watts, I think fits into that kind of Mm -hmm. balances the scale between contemporary fiction and romance. Like, the glass is full, but you do have the funny moments, you know, that you would expect of a rom-com. Good. That was, yeah, I was going for something easy, light, entertaining, still, you know, a little bit of emotion in there. And book two is a little more emotional than book one was. Um, But, you know, nothing that takes itself too seriously and just, something because it gets hard writing Mm -hmm. those real deep emotionally charged books it gets hard and I wanted something lighter in there to sort of break it up break it down for me well and kind of take some you know stress off your shoulders I don't think people really grasp that when you read a really strong emotional book or a suspense book, you as the author are living those stresses, living those moments. Those characters are in your head. They're part of who you are. And that can, um, that can add some extra emotional weight, you know? And I'm sure that after you write like an emotional scene, you're probably like, deep breath. Okay. We got yeah. through that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. but it's going to come back around cause you got edits. <laughs> exactly. It's easier to edit it than it is to write it. Cause usually I cry every book I write, I cry. Like there have been books where I have sobbed writing scenes and my husband has walked in and he's like, I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Because you do. And it, and it gets draining and, you know, outside of my brain's need for something new and fresh, it, it helps with that emotional burden. Yeah. Um, okay. So what is next? Who are we getting a book from next? So next up is Gemma 
and she has look at a Leah. Book. You guys, you should I'm see Leah's face. I'm very excited <laughs> for this book. She's excited. A lot of people are excited for Abe. And um, mm-hmm. did you did you read the um, the short that I released? It was in a real limited run thing that was Abe and Elise. It's the first chapter of their book I released. I did. It. Yes. Because Elise is one of those characters, but I had a very limited amount of time. A lot of people didn't like her. I had readers who were pissed at me because they could not believe I was going to put Abe with this character. And listen, if you think authors are nice, you are (laughs) so wrong. We are maniacal and we are evil. So I'm like sitting in my little office and I'm like, because I, I felt very connected to Elise because Mm -hmm. I, you know, I tend to be a little dominant. I tend to be a little controlling, a little bossy. (laughs) And so, and I had readers, I had to have like a, I had to like yell. I had to have a talk with my readers group because they were bashing this character and other readers who identified with this character were very upset. And I'm like, listen, you're not going to like every character and that's okay. But you need to realize that someone else read her and they felt seen Mm -hmm. and they felt worthy of love because they saw themselves in her. And so I had to kind of, and they all felt really bad, but not bad enough. So I was like, what can I do? And so I wrote, I'm like, I, you know, I, I sat down in my chair and I wrote this first chapter. And in the first chapter, you 100%, you get to see who Elise is and why she is the way she is. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to my, my PA and she was like, they're going to hate you because you're just going to give them this and they're all going to It's a nasty tease. It It really was. And they came into my readers group and they were apologizing to this fictional character. They were like, I feel so (laughs) bad for saying mean things about her. And, you know, we, in my group, we call ourselves the girl gang. And they were like, I was not a good girl gang member because I was you know, and I think that's how powerful romance is and, and books in general. Is no, that, but there's something special about romance. Yeah, it can really make you look at how you are and the things that you do and see the world through someone else's eyes. Yeah, well, I think Elise is going to be, she's going to be on point. Oh I think gosh, sometimes... One of the great things I love about personally about romance is some of my own toxic behaviors in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I would see them in characters and romance. And I'd be like, I hate uh-huh. this person. And yeah. then I'd really like have to think about some of the behaviors they were doing and some of the things they were saying. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you, you do that. Stop it. Yep. So it makes yep. you kind of like, without someone being in your face telling you, because none of us want to be confronted like that, but without someone in your face saying self-aware, it does. There is a self-awareness that comes with romance. It does. Because a lot of times you see how it affects the other characters and Mm -hmm. you can see what you're doing, you know, something that you yourself have done. Cause I have done exactly the same thing where I see a character and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, that hits a little close to home right now. I need to be better. Yeah. And it's amazing. Okay. So when does that book release? That book comes out at the end of this month. I have to look at one of my 500 calendars. That's what <laughs> that's I'm looking okay. at right now. Um, it comes out the 29th and that's Friendly Fire. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So our buzzing about romance conversation cards, these are something that we have started um, just for some fun offbeat conversation. Not that we haven't had an abundance of it tonight. Several Good. tangents, but that's what we love. Okay. Um, so we she are just asking likes to put you. you on the spot. That's okay. Hey, it's nothing <laughs> awkward. Uh, conversation okay. card number six. Do you have a one-click trope? Oh my goodness. I love um, enemies to lovers. Enemies to lovers. 
It's one of my favorites. I love a couple that hates each other's freaking guts. <laughs> like if one of them has tried to, if she has tried to kill him, that's even better. That's even better. Yes. Yes. That's my favorite. <laughs> I love that. Even <laughs> if he has tried or she has tried to kill him, it's a favorite. Yeah. Leah, do you have a one click trope? I don't have a one-click trope. No, I have a one-click subgenre. If right. we'd like to go there, she has a whole subgenre. That's good. Suspense. Romantic suspense. It is. It is. I read so much of that. So yes. a junkie. I am a junkie. It's do you? Junkie. Are you? Do you prefer low angst books? Um, it depends. I'm a. Gotcha. I'm a big mood reader. Gotcha. gotcha. So like. There are times where angst and emotion are just no goes for me. Yeah, um, I'm not. Uh-uh. But it it sometimes like my suspense books can have more angst, but it's more internal angst or like situational angst. So those that's, ones like I don't yeah. mind. Yeah, that's what I was wondering because I also I don't like angst, which is why I like romantic suspense mm-hmm. or. I like the suspense to be what drives because yes. you have to have some sort of something going on. Right. And that's why I like romantic suspense too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, I like an angsty book every once in a while, but it's, I could, I could do without an angst right. book. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. It is fair. And we all know I have way too many one click tropes. Yes. Too it's many. Okay. So okay. many. There's not. I constantly it's like, not. I'll be like, Leah, it's a fake relationship. I'm going to get it. And she's like, I don't even know why we're having this conversation. You're going to get it. Like, stop talking yeah. yourself out of it. There was an author who like, Becky saw the ARC sign up and she's like talking through it. And I'm like, why are you asking me? Like, you already basically said you're going to sign up for it. She's like, I know. I just feel better talking it out. Like someone else justifying my crazy. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, Janice, thank you so much for joining us for this episode all about pen names and chatting thank with us. Thank you for having me. Um, anytime you are welcome back. Uh, this was a great conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Well, that was a fun interview. I now it was. know all sorts of pen name things. All sorts of pending things. And yes. like, I'm very excited because I, like I said, I found her when she was as Gemma and I just, I really loved her. And I wondered what the motivation behind all the pen names was. It kind of makes sense. You know, you know, like she was talking about how her brain works and functions and it kind of puts everything in a lane and, you know. Well, and I kind of like too, where like, like when I'm reading Gemma, like I know I'm reading suspense when I'm reading Josie, I know I'm going for rom-com. And so like she keeps keeps everything separate like I like yeah. that yeah it that it is very interesting I I really mm-hmm. enjoyed talking to her and she was delightful so everybody make sure you pick up her books because they're yes. good and she's awesome okay I'll link them in the show notes for you we will link her Amazon bio in the show notes so you can find all mm-hmm. her books um newsletter if you have news- not signed up <laughs> for our newsletter make sure you do that Link to sign up is on the website. We send this out only once a month for now, and it keeps you up to date with all the goings on. Sometimes we have exclusive giveaways of signed paperbacks and book money in our newsletter. So if you are a newsletter subscriber, make sure you go in and you read the newsletter because you could be missing really cool things. Mm-hmm. And it's only so, once a month. So It's only once a month. Right. Okay, Leah. Programming okay. note, we're changing things. <laughs> we we are changing things up a little bit. Um, so instead of what we are reading and notable upcoming releases, because there's always a lot and nobody wants to listen to me read a list of books off, we're going to start a new segment called Book of the Week. So each week we will tell you about what our standout read for the re- for the week was and why we think you should read it. Right. And so you'll get two book recs from both of us. They could be coming soon. They could be older books. It's just whatever book one of us really wants to talk about or each Mm -hmm. of us, one book each of us wants to talk about and make sure that you have added it to your book it list. Yes. You're not your bucket list and not your Your, to be read. 
but it's a bucket list. It's the new bucket list. It is. Okay. So for me, this is not going to be a big shock for anybody. It is not a shock. I saw this and I'm like, huh, what a surprise. Nice. Um, (laughs) My standout book of the week is Dr. Scandalous by Jay Salmon. It comes out on October the 5th. It is the story of billionaire Dr. Oliver and his high school crush friend, Amelia. Um, She is a real bodied heroine. He is a doctor. She is a nurse, but they are not coworkers. Um, It's sort of a second chance, fake engagement, their reconnection, uh, Julie Salmon shared it with us during our readathon. She she that was the part she read in the readathon, and I'm just telling you, this book was so good and it was steamy, and I loved the character Amelia. It brought so many emotions. Um, so make sure you check out Doctor Scandalous coming out October 5th. What is your book of the week, Leah? So let me preface this in saying that I read a couple of really, really good books this week, but I can't talk about them yet because I'm not allowed to, but that's okay. So I actually went back into the backlist of Kaylee Cross this week because I just, I wanted something where like, I knew I was going to enjoy it because I've read some books that were like, they were okay, but they didn't really do it for me. And I was, I've been disappointed recently. Um, so I went and read her Falling Fast, which is DEA Fast series book one, and it came out back in 2017. So the heroine is Charlie and the hero is Jamie. Jamie is her brother's best friend. It is a romantic suspense because who's shocked by this? It's Leah. <laughs> and they go undercover. Um, so they're kind of co-workers but it was, it's very good. Like I, I really enjoy Kaylee Cross's books. Like she does suspense well, like, and it was one of those things where Charlie is this heroine who she's not sure if she wants to have a full-on relationship. Like she just, her mom had passed away when she was younger and she really wanted that relationship type that she had like her parents had, but at the same time, she doesn't want it because she doesn't want to lose like the other half of her. So she's been very like against relationships. And Jamie is like, if we do this, I'm all in and you have to be all in or it's not going to happen. I like that. I like it too. Cause I like how the fact that like he, he was like, it's either all or nothing. And she has to make that decision. That sounds good. So those are our two books of the week. We have Dr. Scandalous by Jay Salmon coming out 10-5. And your book again? Falling Fast. And it came out in 2017. So it's a couple years old, but it holds up. Is it in Kindle Unlimited? Mm, mm, No, I don't think it is. Okay, so it's a wide book. You can find it wherever you buy your books. Um, Okay, Patreon update. We have a new member into we all do. of our stuff. She she has welcomed herself to the crazy. Yes. We welcome her with open arms to the crazy. Uh, welcome to new member Ophelia M. Uh, we're excited to have you along for all of our shenanigans. Um, and people might not know this, but this is the one year anniversary of the founding of our Patreon. I did not know that. Yes. So... We would like to wish a one-year happy anniversary to founding members Heather B., Mindy, Carrie, Demi, and Nikki. Um, We are so grateful for everyone's support of our Patreon and having you all as a part of our romance book-loving community. Um, So thank you to everyone that's a member of our Patreon, but a special shout-out to our... um, patreon members who are celebrating one year with the podcast and, and whatever this one, is one year with putting up with with all <laughs> me of yeah yeah like all the crazy um okay so what else do we have oh year-long the reading challenge reading challenge the year-long reading challenge we have three more months to go october's prompt is my favorite romantic suspense there seems to be a theme going tonight there is a little bit of a theme there. We do like mm-hmm. a theme. 
we do, we do like, like a, theme. a theme. So Becky, what are your books, book recs for suspense? So if you're looking for romantic suspense, as we all know, I'm picky. Mm. We hear it often. Um, KGI from Maya Banks. That series is excellent in the romantic suspense. The Jameson really Force. But you'll be frustrated, but you'll love it. Um, yes. And it's super sexy. Super high put sexy. out or low put out numbers, meaning like 12%. High, high amounts of it also. Right. <laughs> um, the Jameson Force from Sawyer Bennett. Um, again, security force, kind of like KGI. Catherine Cowles, her wrecked, her wreckage series it's a different kind of romantic suspense. They're not a security force. It's a small town. Each book has its own mystery or outside suspense uh, plot point. And then Julie Garwood, her Buchanan family series is also, um, some of them are FBI agents. Some of them work for, some are police officers. Some work for the Justice Department. Some are just badass boys that live in the bayou. So it's definitely worth giving a try mm -hmm. uh, what about you leah who are your romantic suspense wrecks okay so anything i'm just naming authors because anything they write i enjoy so i have susan stoker riley edwards cynthia eden does a really good billionaire hot damn anna blakely anna hackett and katie reus um these are some of my go-to military or bodyguard suspense authors i didn't do but if you want like situational suspense, Emma Renshaw does a really good, she has two really good series that um, work for situational suspense. You should check those ones out also. Excellent. Excellent. So you can find more details about our year long reading challenge on our website um, or send us an email and we will give you all the details. And all the recs. And all the recs. Um, we have a new page on our website. We are listing all of our upcoming events on the website. You can also fill out a form over there to receive a calendar alert for those events. So if you never want to miss out on all of our fun happy hours and mm -hmm. challenge check-ins and book club and all that kind of stuff, um, make sure you fill out one of our um, alert forms and we will get yes. you all the details. And so what are we doing next, next time, Leah? Next time, we are building a world in a real place. Have you ever wondered how difficult it is to create imaginary places in a real place? So author Kelly Kay is going to join us, and we're going to ask all the questions about her Sonoma wineries versus the real thing. So she actually used to work in Sonoma mm -hmm. at a winery, and I didn't realize that. That's what inspired the her five winery series. So mm -hmm. she has inside information plus, you know, she writes the books there. So yeah, we'll figure out it's, you know, I think, I don't know if it's easier to write a story in a place, you know, or to make up your own place. I don't know. We'll have to ask what she we'll have to ask. Anyway, we'll get all the details next time. That'll be next time. So thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of buzzing about romance until next time. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes. 